0: hi there well here we are at the beginning of christmas week when we'll be lighting our fourth advent candle Uh, we've had hope peace joy and this week is love at christmas we celebrate when love came down uh, when love became flesh and made his dwelling among us but rather than do a bible teaching i thought i'd tell you a story and it's about a girl called christina uh, here's a photo of her taken by Lewis Carroll, who wrote Alice in Wonderland. She was born in London in the mid-19th century. Her family were Italian, they were the Rossettis. They were also refugees, having been exiled from their home in Sicily because of the political situation. Her father's name was Gabriel and he was a nobleman and a scholar, a poet. But These writings got him into trouble and they were forced to leave their homeland and they ended up in London in 1824, where Gabriel taught at King's College. And that's when Christina was born, and she was the youngest of four children. And she had well, it seemed a very happy childhood, with a great education, being homeschooled by her parents, who encouraged her to read all kinds of literature, and they often entertained writers and artists and intellectuals in their home. It's said that she dictated her first story to her mother before she could even write, And like her father, she showed an aptitude for poetry. But by the time she'd reached her teenage years, her father had become very ill. It's believed that he had tuberculosis and his mental and physical health deteriorated rapidly. It meant he had to leave his prestigious teaching post and he lived in actually some distress for another 11 years before he died but it left the family facing severe financial difficulties. And so Christina's mother began teaching and her sister became a living governess to keep them from poverty. But it meant that Christina was often left alone and she suffered a lot from anxiety and depression. In fact, it led her to have a nervous breakdown at the age of 14. But it was during that time that she really came to know God as she sought comfort in the Bible and from the church that she started attending with her mother and sister. It seems that God used the things that she was suffering to kind of draw her into a relationship with himself. And it was a relationship that she devoted herself to for the rest of her life. It was also at this time that Christina really gave herself to writing poetry. And it was through her poems that she found a creative outlet to express her faith and her devotion to God. Here she is at the age of 16, uh, by which time she'd written some 50 poems. Her family encouraged her to submit her poetry to the foremost literary periodical of the day, and she actually got two of them accepted, making her a nationally published poet by the age of 18. Well, she continued to write prolifically and to public acclaim for the rest of her life. In fact, Cristina Rossetti became one of the most celebrated poets of the Victorian age. She's often been associated with the pre-Raphaelite arts movement, of which her brother, Dante Rossetti, was a founding member. Dante was also becoming famous as an artist and he illustrated some of her poems. He also had Christina model for him, like in this painting he did of the Annunciation. Christian themes and mythology can be found in a lot of the pre-Raphaelite work, and it's said to have influenced Tolkien, who wrote The Lord of the Rings. But while Christian themes had some influence on the pre Raphaelites, for Christina, her faith and devotion to God was the main impetus for her work. As one biographer wrote, she said the importance of Rossetti's faith for her life and art can hardly be overstated. More than half of her poetic output is devotional, and the works of her later years in both poetry and prose are almost exclusively so. The inconstancy of human love, the vanity of earthly pleasures, renunciation, individual unworthiness, and the perfection of divine love are reoccurring themes in her poetry. In fact, her love poetry is a good example of that because uh, when she wrote about human relationships, she made it clear that love for God always trumps the love of another human. In fact, in one of her sonnets, she wrote, uh, I love as you would love me. God the most would lose not him, But you must one be lost. In other words, she's saying her love for God comes first more than anyone else. And in fact, it was her love for God that caused her to turn down three proposals for marriage because her potential husbands either did not share her beliefs or her devotion. It meant that she was to remain single her whole life, but it was a life devoted in celibacy to God. As another biographer commented she suffered a lot of pain in her life but it was her experience of divine love that made her life worth living and this love he says spilled over through her poetry into the lives of countless others you may know one of her poems because it's one of two poems that have become part of our christmas tradition it's called love came down at christmas she wrote love came down at christmas love all lovely love divine Love was born at Christmas. Star and angels gave the sign. Worship we the Godhead. Love incarnate, love divine. Worship we our Jesus. But wherewith for sacred sign? Love shall be our token. Love be yours and love be mine. Love to God and all men. Love for plea and gift and sign. Word love there is used 10 times in that short poem. There's no missing her message. Right, Something new had been birthed in the human experience that first Christmas. Love was born, and Christina herself had come to experience it in her own heart. But as she says, the evidence of that divine love should be seen in our love for God and our fellow man. And that was certainly true in Christina's life, because God's love didn't just spill out through her poetry. It also compelled her to serve others who were also suffering. For Christina, God's love was not just some kind of abstract theme to write about. She understood God's love came down. His love became flesh and dwelt amongst us in this fallen world. And so that's what led her to volunteer to become one of Florence Nightingale's nurses during the Crimean War. And when she was turned down, love found a way because she spent the next 10 years volunteering at the St. Mary Magdalene Penitentiary in London, which was an institution devoted to seeking out women who were working as prostitutes, many of them teenagers, and offering them a safe environment to help them leave their profession. It was tough work. Christina would have resided at the penitentiary for two weeks at a time where she selflessly gave herself to care for those women, helping them to retrain for domestic service. They called her sister Christina. And there's no doubt that she would have continued to express God's love in this way if it wasn't for the fact that in her early 40s, and around the time this portrait was done, she contracted a life-threatening disease called Graves' disease. It meant her, her hair fell out, she suffered terrible migraines, constant exhaustion and pauses for about two years. She recovered, but it left her permanently disfigured And with a weakened heart she also watched her beloved brother dante go through his own troubled times as he struggled with uh, depression and fell into a pattern of alcohol and drug abuse which destroyed his life and then as if that wasn't enough when she was in her early 60s christina got breast cancer and she died at christmas time in 1894 but you know she remained devoted to god right to the end In fact, if anything, the suffering she experienced probably brought her closer to him. She knew God was with her. She'd given him her heart. And she knew that nothing, not even death, could separate her from his love. And when you know her story, it makes the other Christmas poem she wrote all the more poignant. She wrote it around the time that she had Graves' disease, when she was facing death. It was originally called A Christmas Carol but became known by its first line, In the Bleak Midwinter. It's a poem that's been sung by people like uh, James Taylor and Annie Lennox, but it's not a romanticized poem at all, because it compares life in our world with a bleak and harsh winter. She writes, in the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan, earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone is why it's quoted numerous times in the rather dark but brilliant Netflix series Peaky Blinders the bleak midwinter. The bleak midwinter. The bleak midwinter. because it depicts the harshness of life you know the suffering world that Christ came into the world that Christina herself experienced and the world that we live in and experience today and especially at this present time It's one of the reasons why this particular Christmas carol was a favourite in the trenches of the First World War, because there's a kind of stark reality to it. But it's also because it then goes on to give us hope. In the second verse, Christina reminds us of Advent, of that future day when Christ will come again to put things right. And we can trust he will because he's already revealed himself to us that first Christmas. Uh, She wrote, Our God Heaven cannot hold him, nor earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. In the bleak midwinter, a stable place sufficed. The Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. And then she writes about the worship that he is due. And then in the last verse, she asks this. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what I can, I give him. Give my heart. Have you given him your heart? Maybe you can identify with some of Christina's experiences. You know, whether her anxieties and depression as a young woman. uh, Life taking unexpected turns. Relationships not working out. Watching loved ones uh, deteriorate and, and then losing them suffering with sickness, and so on. I think C.S. Lewis would have related to Christina's experience. He lost his mother at an early age. His dad emotionally abandoned him. He suffered from illness as a teenager, and he had to bury his beloved wife. And he wrote about his heartache in his book, The Problem of Pain, where he wrote, perhaps, one of his most famous lines. He says, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So often, you know, pain seems like an enemy, doesn't it? No one likes to suffer, and yet it can so often prove to be a friend. Not that suffering is good in itself, but God so often uses it redemptively to draw us to him. You know, people often testify of knowing God's closeness, particularly During times of suffering. And I think it's because God identifies with us intimately, you know, when we suffer. He understands because when He came in the flesh as a weak and vulnerable baby, He entered into the suffering of mankind. He knew what it was to suffer. And yet He willingly came to suffer and die, not just with us, but for us. On the cross, He carried our sorrows, He bore our sin. He died our death. But it was so that we might have the hope of eternal life, the hope of an eternity with him where there'll be no more suffering or pain, where the bleak midwinter will become a never-ending summer's day. And why did he do it? Because of love. Because God so loved the world, he gave his only son, so whoever believes in him would not perish, but have the gift of eternal life. Love came down. Love was born at Christmas. But has it been born in your heart? Have you given your heart to him? If you will turn to him today, surrender everything to him, your whole life, doesn't matter how much you've messed up, just bring it all to him, asking him for forgiveness, asking him to be your saviour, then he will receive you. He will cleanse you. He will come to be with you. His spirit will come to live in you, to keep you, to help you, to comfort you. And he will never leave you and not even death will be able to separate him from you. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. So will you give your heart to him today? And if you do know his love, then let it spill over into the lives of others. Let your devotion to him be evident to all, as it was in Christina's life, whether it's in the words you speak or in the way that you serve those around you, especially when they're suffering. Let your life give evidence of the love that came down at Christmas. And finally, maybe you are experiencing hardship right now. You may be wondering, where is the peace that Jesus promised to give us? But as Sue Zilli reminded us in her devotional this week, quoting Frederick Buechner, he said, For Jesus, peace seems not to have meant the absence of struggle, but the presence of love. That was certainly true in the life of Christina Rossetti and I pray that it would be true in your life as well. I pray that you would know the presence of God's love, his pure and perfect love, that he would be very close to you at this time, that even though it may feel like a bleak midwinter, that those rays of sunshine would break through the clouds and bring you joy and peace in these days. And please don't go through it alone. Please do allow us the privilege of praying for you. If you would like prayer, or someone to talk to, then do get in touch. You can email us at hello at newfrontierschurch.com. Okay, well, that's it for this year. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas, and may God's divine love fill you to overflowing for the new year ahead. God bless you.